Hello, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. I'm Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you be a more effective student. And in this episode, I'm talking to my friends Daniel Reeves and Bethany Soul, who are the founders of a tool called Beeminder. And if you have been following me for any amount of time, you may know that I use Beeminder to sort of bind myself to get things done, specifically to get two pieces of content up on my website every week, a podcast and a video, sometimes a third as a blog post, but uh, at bare minimum, those things. And the way that Beeminder helps me do that is that I've actually pledged money to uh, basically sending it data to say that I've published things. And if I don't publish something for long enough, then I will eventually be charged money. Now, a lot of people have used this system to get a lot of things done. And the way I heard about it was from a guy named Nick Winter, who wrote a book called The Motivation Hacker. And Nick actually pledged $7,000 to make sure he would have this book written by a certain date. And what do you think happened? He got it done. So obviously, you don't have to go crazy with that. But as the founders will tell you, Beeminder is sort of a nuclear option for getting yourself to build strong habits or break bad ones. And uh, in this episode, I'm going to talk to the founders about why they built it, how they built it, and also some of the other ways that they stay productive and conquer their procrastination. So even if you don't want to pledge a bunch of money towards uh, building a habit or breaking something that you don't want to do anymore, um, they got some good advice. Now, uh, one little bit of housekeeping. I Wow, that's actually kind of ironic because I'm actually in a new house and I'm not sure if you can tell by the audio quality. I'm looking at about 10 foot ceilings right now and I have no sound diffusion on the walls. So I've got some work to do with my recording environment um, and basically everything in this house. So if you're one of those people who listens to the podcast immediately when it comes out on Mondays, my apologize or my apologies for uh, having it out a little bit later than normal. It will be out next week at 6 a.m. Central Time, as always. But right now, I just got internet set up, and it's been kind of a hectic weekend moving and stuff. So uh, apologies on that. But anyway, you can find the show notes for this episode with any of the things I link to, and we do link to some really cool things in this episode over at CIGpodcast.com. Head on over to the episode 58 link, and you'll find everything you need to know. Also, you'll find links to subscribe and rate the show on iTunes, which definitely helps the show out. Uh, that's all I got for the intro. So enjoy this interview. I'm actually pretty excited to move because we're getting much better internet. Uh, we don't have the option of getting faster internet here, so that will make podcasting easier. Nice. But yeah, good to meet you guys. Likewise. I think we lost you right when you were about to say something nice about (laughs) D-Minder. Yeah, well, I was going to say, and uh, I guess just to let you know, I basically roll right into these and do the intros afterwards. So uh, I guess we're going. Um, Yeah, B-Minder is part of the reason that my business has grown ridiculously in the past few months. So thank you guys for making it. Wow. I love it. (laughs) It's, uh, It's delightfully nerdy. And I've gotten a lot of other people to start using it, but I thought I'd bring you guys on the show because it is quite nerdy and there's a lot of scientific stuff that goes into the, the thinking behind it. And uh, I just kind of wanted to pick your brains on it a bit. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. And maybe just um, figure out how you guys get things done as well. Maybe mm-hmm. uh, pick your brains on the ways you use it. I haven't figured out yet. So well, first though, let's do some introductions since we have another three person episode. And uh, whoever wants to start can go. Okay, I'll start. Um, so I'm Danny Reeves. I'm the CEO. Um, my background is in game theory and um, like incentive systems, mechanism design, auction theory, all sorts of nerdery like that. Um, so I view Beeminder as like uh, one person game theory, playing games against yourself, getting getting your, you know, figuring out incentives for yourself to do, get yourself to do what you really want to do. Okay. Um, um, and I'm Bethany soul. I'm the CTO of Beeminder, which, you know, on a very small team like ours means that I basically make everything work. Um, <laughs> and I, I have a background in, um, Russian literature, painting and computer science. So <laughs> That is an interesting background. Were those like a triple major that you did or something? Or? Uh, no, I did a complete about face in grad school and went and got a master's degree in computer science after having studied a bunch of Russian literature and painting in undergrad. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> was it like, were you interested in computers along the way during undergrad or was it like, I'm just going to throw myself into computer science randomly? 
<laughs> no, yeah, I, I like, uh, I worked a job in tech support and stuff, putting myself through college. So oh. yeah, always in the background. You and I did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> did you feel that you, well, okay. You weren't in a computer major. At least I felt that I learned more in my job than I did in my classes because my classes were similar to the job, I suppose. Yeah. I, I bet the feeling would not be shared because you're doing Russian lit. So <laughs> maybe a little different. Grad school was, was a, was a bunch of, um, was a great foundation in like theory and, um, not so much in practical stuff. Uh, you know, so I've, I've learned, I've learned a ton working on Beeminder and, and other jobs that I've had, um, since then. Yeah. Sure. So which of you does most of the programming on it or is it pretty much shared? That's, that's Bethany. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. That's why we call it the CTO. She, she does the coding. Interesting. You know, I never really thought too much about it, but I had always imagined both of you did it. I know I've seen uh, Bethany's, you did the, the week long sprint video. Mm-hmm. A la Nick winter. Um, maniac week. Yeah. Yeah. The maniac week, which I'd love to talk about at some point. So, so is, is your role basically figuring out all the incentives and the structure of it all, Danny? Um, I guess so. I mean, I'm nominally CEO, so I'm like all like I view my job as shielding Bethany from everything other than coding. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I deal with the community management type stuff and ads and all the businessy things, talking to accountants and yeah, and just yeah, keeping it keeping the business running, and and I also think about the. Yeah, I kind of, I would, so yeah, if we ever had a, another co-founder, I'd love to have someone else be CEO and let, and I would be like chief scientist or something and just think about the incentives and the behavioral economics of it all. And, and that, yeah. that sort of stuff. That's my favorite part. So is it just you two right now then, or are there other co-founders in the team? Um, we're the co-founders and we have other people who help, um, kind of part-time. So we have, mm. uh, yeah, Chelsea Miller is our main support person now. Um, we have our, we call her the resident fitness expert. That's Melanie Reeves Wicklow, who is also my sister. Okay. Um, and we have Philip Hellier in England, who is, uh, helps with, uh, Google AdWords and, and marketing things like that. Um, so Bethany and I are the only people full time on it. Cool. Cool. You know, I'm getting a similar vibe. Um, I know you guys did an integration with habit RPG pretty recently mm-hmm. and I brought them on the show uh, they just, their episode went live on Monday of this week and it was a similar situation. <laughs> Vicky was like, I'm the CEO because the founder wants to code more. <laughs> so I shield him from all that. <laughs> so, yeah. and yeah, I, I absolutely loved that app as well. So, um, habit RPG is a, I guess a little easier to describe because I can just tell people it's final fantasy for your life. <laughs> Beeminder is often a little tougher to describe. So can you give us a bit of like a rundown of what it is that the app does? Yeah. Um, yeah, we view Habit RPG and Beeminder as pretty complimentary. And in fact, our, the people who are into them seem to be like, well, like you, for example, seem mm-hmm. to, there, there's huge overlap in the interest. Um, but Beeminder is like the, we, I view it as like the nuclear option. Uh, like, so you can, there's a lot of things you can gamify and incentivize yourself to do via, via the Habit RPG style of, of gamifying your life. Um, but then there are some things where you're just incorrigible and uh, you really need to bring out the, the big guns and really force yourself to do something. Um, so that's actually, I should let Bethany jump in with the really high level. Well, yeah, if you want some just like straight up, what's the mechanics of what, what the heck is Beeminder? Um, you pledge money, um, give us a credit card and then tell us, you know, what it is you want to do, like floss your teeth twice a day. And we send you reminders, graph your progress. Um, and then if you don't, do what you said you were going to do. We take your money. Um, <laughs> so it's, you know, it's a big old stick in the form of us, you know, sticking our fingers in your wallet. Um, yeah. <laughs> well said. So for um, carrots versus sticks, you guys are definitely the sticks. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All about the stick. Equally fundamental to be minded, I think is the quantified self aspect. So, you know, making the graphs, visualizing your progress and, the, the, especially in the matter of turning, taking like a sort of long-term goal and, and breaking it down into something that you have to make daily progress on. Okay. And for the students listening to this, who don't know what that means, what is quantified self? Um, it's this movement that's all about collecting data about 
yourself, how many steps, you know, carrying wearing a Fitbit and keeping track of how many steps you, you move every day or how much time you spend, you know, where all your time goes. Um, we have all sorts of nerdy ways that we do that ourselves. Um, rescue time is a great one. Uh, anything else you can, you can track about yourself. A lot of people like to do mood tracking, but yeah, quantified self refers to collecting as much data about oneself as you can, and then using it for either insight or in our case, using it to instigate behavior change. Yeah. And I think my first introduction to quantified self, if you could call it that, it was just as a kid, my dad made me have a, a workout tracker, like notebook. And he was just like, write down the sets you do. And then you can see the, like the weight increase for each exercise. And at first I was like, why would I do this? I'll just remember it. But you actually don't. And you get to go back and it's, it's cool to see, oh, wow, I've actually benched 30 pounds more this week than I did two weeks ago. And it turns out you can do that for basically anything, <laughs> especially exactly. with all the different apps and integrations you guys have with like Fitbit and Habit RPG now. And well, basically anything with Zapier. So yeah, Zapier. <laughs> oh, and we're, um, I am kind of hopeful that at, that when this uh, podcast launches, we'll have officially launched if we're in review right now. So it's, it's around the corner. Um, oh to yeah. An official if channel. And yeah. And you've already used the, the beta version of it. And in yeah. fact, I think it's allowed for us to say it out loud. We don't want to officially link to it, but if you go to, if this mind that, uh, com, you will find uh, the beta version of if. So in case it's not quite live yet, anyone. Yeah. And <laughs> I suppose maybe I should explain a bit of what if is. Oh, so yeah. imagine you have app a, which could be anything from Twitter to email to I don't know, Fitbit, a timer, anything basically that their API is hooked into and at B, anything else, uh, you can take actions from one and or trigger as I get, I guess, and then make that do an action on the other one. So mm -hmm. the way I've always done it with Beeminder is I would do if, um, if it would see Twitter tweet like a hashtag from my account, then it would email Beeminder and tell it to charge me money. And the hashtag was always like, this is I'm sleeping in. And now you guys have the official channel, so I don't have to go roundabout and do Gmail anymore, which right. is pretty awesome. Exactly. Um, but you can do that with all sorts of cool stuff. And I have other like, uh, let's see here, like Instagram to Twitter, because Facebook and Twitter don't like to play nice. So you can't put Instagram photos directly in your Twitter feed without a crazy ift script. But um, yeah, so I guess just overview, basically, uh, you create a goal and then you either add data or don't add data. And if you don't hit your goal, you get charged money. Now, one question I always get is, do I get charged immediately when I pledge or not? Like, how do the pledges work? Because people ask me, like, am I going to lose money immediately if the system screws up or if there's like a glitch in the data or something? And uh, I usually tell like, put it to rest with them, but I think you guys can do better than I can. <laughs> yeah, no, really good question. Um, so it's free at first. Uh, we don't even make you put in a credit card initially so mm. you can start tracking. Um, and as long as you keep your, all your data points on track on your yellow brick road, as we call it, then, um, it just stays free. Um, and the first time you go off track, then, uh, we, then that's when we make you put in a credit card. You're still not actually paying at that point. You're just promising to pay if you go off track again. Okay. Uh, so there's, there's, there's a bit of a, you know, build up period where you can learn to trust the, the system. Hopefully, um, we have various other safeguards, any goal that's created within the first week, you can just blow it away altogether. If it just wasn't exactly what you wanted, um, and no charge will happen if you do that. And then also we, if you do derail and you did have money pledged, we send an email saying, okay, you just derailed and we're going to charge you this much money, but reply if anything went wrong. And so if there was any kind of technical glitch, or even if you were confused about exactly what the rules were, you can just say, uh, not legit and explain, and you have to talk to a human at that point, but but we are very, we basically will believe you if whatever you say went wrong. Yeah. So we have various safeguards <laughs> like that. You can also, um, you know, you've committed to whatever it is, three work workouts a week or 10,000 steps a day. Um, if you're going on vacation or something, you can schedule a flat spot in the road. You cannot, you can't do that immediately. So there's always a one week delay in these, these changes. Um, and that's part of the point of uh, being a true commitment device. You've got yourself on the hook. You can't just say, oh, I'm too lazy today. Yeah. So you're bound for at least a week. Exactly. And you guys called it the crazy horizon, right? Yeah. This is part of the crazy, um, 
behavioral economics of all this stuff, hyperbolic discount. Just, I don't know how much of the science you want to get Let's into. Let's get into right? the science. <laughs> <laughs> I'm curious. I want to know like what, I mean, I've talked about a crazy before in videos, um, hyperbolic discounting. I'm not sure that I'm very familiar with. So yeah, okay. educate me on like the science behind this. Cause it's definitely different than most other trackers. Okay, yeah, uh, I would love to. Um, Acrasia is actually a term from from philosophy. Most economists don't use that term. Uh, I, kind of, I think it's catching on a bit now, but um, totally bringing it back. We're bringing it back. <laughs> Acrasia it goes it goes back to Aristotle. It's uh, it's not acting in line with your own preferences, not acting according to your own best judgment, um, doing things that you don't. Um, that taking a longer term view, you don't actually want to do. So procrastination is the classic example, especially for students. It's a subset of accretion. Yeah. Um, but any kind of impetuousness, overeating, uh, any kind of addictive behavior, um, that all falls under acrasia. Um, procrastination, the opposite of procrastination is sometimes called pre-proporation, like um, impulsively in, overindulging in things as opposed to delaying things that you should do. Okay, um, okay so that's the, that's the, the problem. Often um, people procrastinate using pre-procreation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's acrasia. Um, and the, the behavioral economics of what's going on there is called hyperbolic discounting. It's, um, I would describe it as overweighting immediate consequences or having your decision-making distorted in the face of immediate consequences. Like you understand that, you know, I want to lose 20 pounds over the next six months, but when the, this pie is right in front of me, that um, the immediate consequences, the immediate gratification overpowers my, my better judgment, my, my long-term preferences. So, Beaminder's approach is to fight fire with fire, to add, to take the long-term negative consequences, for example, of being overweight for the, you know, the next six months and make it immediate to put it in terms of having, you know, I have to keep this data point on this graph every day or I'm going to get charged money. And so now the, the immediate negative consequences are the negative consequences that used to be long-term are now also immediate. So it's one of our okay. taglines, bring long-term consequences near. Yeah. Um, so yeah, hyperbolic discounting refers to uh, exaggerating the. So discounting is part of being human that you care more about now than in the future. Um, economists talk about exponential discounting as a rational form of discounting. The idea of an interest rate, um, future discounting, hyperbolic discounting means you do that care too much about the the present, not enough about the future. It leads to these logical inconsistencies and in how you how you value things. Okay. Um, okay. So that's, that's kind of the background. So basically the further off a uh, consequence or reward of some goal is the less we care about it, right? Exactly. Okay, cool. And then you guys are just saying, all right, so if you want to stay healthy, you know, the consequence of gaining weight and being unhealthy is maybe, you know, six months or a year in the future, but now, uh, tomorrow you could lose 50 bucks if that's the tier you're at as well. So there's this immediate reason to exercise or not eat too much or something like that. Right. Okay. Or study or, or yeah. study. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. Or in my case, um, write things in podcast and do those kind of things. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> cool. So like you said, if, if somebody derails, they aren't immediately charged. It's uh, an email goes out to them to make sure nothing went wrong. So I guess like any system, people could technically cheat it, but at least they're going to have to, tell you why they didn't do what they were going to do. <laughs> yeah. And I think, um, having, so we have all these integrations and I think having an automatic source of the data helps a lot. So that you're not, uh, especially if you feel like you'd be tempted to put in false data. Yeah, definitely. And in fact, I don't think I have any, um, goals on BeMinder where I, where I manually enter in data. Yeah, that works well for a lot of people. And for some things, it, I mean, we have an email bot and an SMS bot, and it can, for some kinds of goals, it can actually be the, the prompt for data can be part of the, the value of it all. You can add, you know, notes in the comment for the data point. But yeah, if you have a way to automate it, I think that's best. Okay, cool. So what I'm curious about is uh, what you guys did before BeMinder was a thing? Because I would imagine that you didn't just wake up one day and decide to build this without having had some sort of weird system of your own to <laughs> to work on goals beforehand. So um, what did you do before BeMinder existed? 
Yeah, this it was B minor is absolutely it's scratching a lot of all nighters. What I did. Yeah, we needed this badly, which is why we we made it. And it so it started. I guess the very first seeds of it were when I was working on my PhD dissertation. That's when Bethany and I first met. We're married now, by the way. I don't know if you knew oh, okay. that. Um, (laughs) um, so yeah, Bethany came up with this thing. She called it the voluntary harassment program and involved all sorts of incentive schemes and life hacky tricks. And, you know, I wouldn't be allowed to talk to her for some amount of time until I'd finished a chapter of my dissertation. And that was all just an informal collection of, of things. uh, It was carrots and sticks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Take one. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that was in 2005 when I uh, was finishing my PhD. And then three years later, um, we started building something that other people could use. It was still just mainly for ourselves and friends and family. uh, But that was the first time we built something where it had a a graph and a yellow brick road. And then we would just make these bets with each other. And that was the, the commitment device then. We'd say we'd actually auction off these contracts like, okay, one of you is going to get uh, $2,000 if we go off track on any of these yellow brick roads that we made. Okay. And then, uh, then we pay our friends. Um, just like a group basically. Yeah. Um, oh, that's that's then, cool. Yeah. It was that, uh, so that worked pretty well. And then and we got so excited about it that in 2010, we decided to quit our day jobs and do Beeminder as a startup. And then in 2011, we publicly launched it. Oh, that's awesome. When I was a student, <laughs> I had this idea that was kind of similar um, because I couldn't get up early and I hadn't yet thought of the Twitter thing or the PayPal thing or anything like that. But my idea was I would form a campus organization whose only purpose would be to make you like pay dues at the beginning of the semester, like 10 bucks or something. And then every day you'd have to meet like in the middle of central campus and say, Hey, I'm awake. And if you didn't, then you like forfeited your dues and they went into a pot. And then at the end of the semester, one person would win it or something like that. Nice. Never did it, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, that was sort of the beginnings of my little crazy wake up system. And I tried to build an app for a a friend who (laughs) hired a actual human person off of Craigslist to call them in the morning and give them a wake up call. Oh, seriously? Yeah. Cause if it's like, if it's a person, you know, and you like have to answer the phone and actually talk to them and everything. Yeah. That sounds like what, uh, that sounds like what Manish Sethi did. Except for he hired a person to slap him in the face if he went on Facebook or something like that. And this, dear listeners, is the point at which Skype crashed. So, sorry about that. Let's get back to the show. Uh, so, what were we talking about again? Oh, other see. kinds of incentive, other incentive schemes other than Beeminder. Really, there oh, is only that's right. Beeminder. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Other things we use. Um, well, everything ties into Beeminder with us. We have... Um, you know, various time tracking and this actually we blogged recently about our system called Pomodoro poker. Yeah. So kind of incentive scheme. Which I, I want to make a video about this, but um, I would love to hear about it from you guys too. Okay. So um, Pomodoro system is set a timer and do 20, typically 25. We do 45. Yeah. Do some, do some fixed shortish block of, of focused work and then take a break and then rinse and repeat. I guess, I guess the rinsing part is the break, but, um, (laughs) so yeah, I, I, we prefer a little bit longer Pomodoro usually do 45 minutes. Um, and then for various fussy historical reasons, we like to call them talks, but anyway, um, (laughs) so what's the reason for doing it at 45? Did you guys feel that you had like worked up to that amount to where that was better? I think it's the historical reason I, when I was in grad school, I saw some seminar on productivity or something and they recommended 45 minutes as the optimal time. And I've tried to do research on this in the meantime, and the estimates are all over the map for what, what really the optimal time to be focused is. 45 is one of them. Yeah. I think I have a footnote about this in the, in the blog post, Um, but it was not very conclusive. So 45 is just kind of what we settled on. Yeah. We've just sort of, we've sort of trained ourselves. It has the, one of the things that's nice about us, we usually do, um, if we're trying to do a bunch in a row, I'll do like 45 minutes and then take a 15 minute break, which all packs nicely into an hour. Yeah. Um, And you can, you can try to um, one thing, sometimes do with with these is try to do hourly talks so like 
let's just all day, let's try to, you know, get us try try to do one on the hour, every hour, all day long. Okay. Okay. But Pomodoro poker is the gamification of this setting. Everyone writes down on a whiteboard, um, what they're going to do in the next talk or the next Pomodoro. And, uh, everyone anties a dollar, which we actually tape to the whiteboard. And then you start the timer. And as soon as you're done, you go check off your, your task. And the idea is it's kind of a time estimation training technique. Hmm. So, uh, going over means you forfeit your, you lose if you take, uh, too long. Uh, but otherwise it's whoever gets done. It's price is right style. Yeah, the price is right style. So whoever's done closest to 40 to, to the time limit without going over, yeah, uh, so wins yeah. all of the, wins the pot. Okay. Yes. So I think the immediate question is, why doesn't the person who gets done first get to win? Um, that's the time estimation aspect of it. You don't don't want to be incentivized to just pick something super easy, and you want to get everyone you know focused and working hard on you know for for the full forty five minutes, ideally. Okay, so the right. idea is to get people to find a project they estimate will take them forty five minutes, and then be as accurate with that estimate as possible. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And often, I mean, it's just a dollar you're anteing. So often I'll just put something I know is not really realistic to get done in 45 minutes, but I'll be racing to try to. And, you know, 45 minutes of that kind of focus is easily worth the dollar anyway. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. I thought when I, when I saw a blog post, I was like, this is perfect for people who like do homework in groups Mm -hmm. or just get together. Yeah. Or just get together in the den and, you know, do all their individual homework. Like, because I know when, yeah. we, when we would do that in the dorms, there was really no incentive to get it all done fast. So we would just sort of goof off. Yeah, and, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and also that's another reason to have the discipline of doing one per hour. So right on the hour you start it, 45 minutes it's done, then you can socialize for the 15 minutes, but then at the next hour you start the next one. Yeah, that, and I like the... I like just the idea of taking breaks and refreshing because mm-hmm. I think the the whatever study I saw mentioned like 20 to 30 minutes, but either way your efficiency really starts dropping off after a certain amount of time. Right. So you got to take a break. So one, one question that I had is what was the idea behind the manic weeks? Oh, maniac and, weeks. The maniac <laughs> weeks. Sorry. Yeah. And did you do one yourself too, or is it just Bethany? I've done a maniac weekend, but not okay. a whole maniac week. So Bethany, <laughs> give me your maniac week experience. Oh, yeah. That's sorry. We did Bethany. And I did one together. That was maniac work week, which is five days. So Bethany's the only one who's done a full maniac week of seven days. Okay. <laughs> so so what is the maniac week and uh yeah i just want to hear about your experience because it seems a uh, bit crazy <laughs> yeah well this it was nick winter's idea he's the author of the motivation hacker mm. um and the founder of scritter the system to um learn japanese and chinese characters and now uh founder of code combat which is a uh, game to teach you to code and he's been a bminder user forever and wrote and he features Beeminder heavily in his book, The Motivation Hacker. So he's always trying crazy incentive schemes, <laughs> motivation hacks, as he calls them. And one of them was this maniac week. And the idea was to pre-commit to uh, videoing himself, recording himself the entire entire seven days of working, um, where he'd do nothing but work, work, sleep, and eat. Um, and then he made a time lapse out of the the video of it. He's a maniac. He's a maniac. <laughs> <laughs> um, the word. <laughs> Partly it's a commitment device because you're, you know, pre-announcing that you're going to do this and that you're going to make the, make the time lapse available. So anyway, so yeah, Bethany did it first as a, as a full week. Yeah. You can see our, we have now, I guess Bethany's original one, the work week we did jointly where we have both, and we have not only the screencast, but uh, a video of you. So you see, you know, this, time-lapse version of yourself flying around (laughs) yeah code (laughs) flying everywhere and you're so i've I've seen the video how many how how many hours did you put in that week bethany was so nick had 120 and i think what was yours it was like half that it was was (laughs) like like, 80 or something no it's more than more than half but 120 um, is like six hours of sleep a night and then nothing else but work yeah well i think he he eked out as much as possible by sleeping right up until it started and then shifting his sleep, then, yeah, shifting so his sleep he, schedule so that he didnn't he only sleep slept, again. He only yeah, slept he, six times in seven days or something like that. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I did not do that. I like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so was yours like 80 hours then? 
Yes. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. The, the blog post will have the exact numbers. Um, I, I could pull that up. That's still a lot. <laughs> and verify. It was, um, so yeah, it was intense. But although at the one that we did together, I thought it was kind of almost relaxing. Like we just had nothing else to worry about. We'd wake up and we'd start talking about code and yeah. And yours and was a weekend, right? You said I did one on my own. That was a weekend. And then Bethany and I did one together. That was uh, work week, five days. Okay, cool. The closest so, thing I've ever, Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh, I just pulled up the blog post to check those numbers and I had 87 hours. Um, yeah, as measured by tag time, which is our stochastic time tracker, which is another delightfully nerdy thing we could talk about. I found out, I found the term stochastic uh, out with, when I interviewed the Habit RPG people. So basically, <laughs> this means random. Then, yeah, exactly. Okay. I don't know why we have to be all fancy pants about <laughs> the word stochastic. You have to have cool nerdy terms for everything, right? But no, that's still impressive. Okay, so some of the things, I, now that I'm looking at the blog post, I'm remembering more, I'm bringing, refreshing my memory about this Maniac Week. Um, I think that, uh, so my conclusion after the fact, one of the biggest gains in productivity was not ever reading email. Okay. <laughs> but you can, okay, so I guess that's not necessarily an option actually in real life to just just you know defect on ever answering email but you can either the habit of actually like closing my email tab that's something that i've i try to remember to do is not keep that open and like constantly and go look to it go looking at it and actually i do that with i so when i was doing uh the maniac week i etsy hosts i used etsy hosts to um to redirect like all of the distracting things such as facebook and stuff to my local host so that they just didn't load okay but i discovered that there's a much easier way to do that with facebook which is just to log out of it um yeah <laughs> because that's, you open the tab and and there's a pod you and because you have to actually do something to start engaging in you this know random facebook stuff so randall monroe of xkcd advocated this years ago uh it was in the title text of one of the comics he said he wrote a little script to just insert a five second delay on every new tab he opened so if it was something important, oh, okay. he could actually wait. And if it was something distracting, then that five seconds was enough to make him go, oh, right, I didn't need so, to be doing that. Yeah, for people who are not programmers, simply actually logging out of Facebook accomplishes that just as well. <laughs> and possibly even better because even like even after you wait the five seconds, you still have to do something and, and like actually type in your password and consciously do that. Yeah. Um, actually, oh, related, vaguely related hack. There's a um, Chrome extension I installed that is called... Do I remember Strict workflow? No, this thing. I cannot remember what oh. it's called now. I'm going to look it up in my thing. So, but it's Strict workflow is another Pomodoro tracker that someone made a Beaminder integration for as well that uh, tracks the Pomodoro, blocks distracting sites during the Pomodoro, and then sends the data point to Beaminder at the end. Oh, that's cool. That's a nice combination. Yeah. I've used one called Stay Focused, which I think it blocks uh, a certain list of sites during specific work hours mm-hmm. uh, but i like i like the idea of one that only blocks it during pomodoros so you can have a break exactly yeah you know. oh so the thing i was gonna the chrome extension i was talking about is called momentum and it um just puts a pretty picture on new tabs oh yeah so i open a new tab and before you before you actually type in a url it gives you this pretty picture and tells you the time and yeah, um, it's it's really it's like dirt simple it's not actually it's not stopping me from doing anything but i i want to know what the picture is going to be today so like i wait to type in and it it's just the tiniest little bump that mostly stops me from the like bad habit of opening a new tab what am i doing i don't know i guess i'll go to facebook <laughs> <laughs> yeah especially since with the momentum you can actually set a focus so when you open a new tab at least it, it'll sh- it'll say to you you said you were going to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you yeah. doing? And I like the five second delay thing because often um, I will like immediately pop over to Reddit or something. If a website's taking too long to load or like, Oh, I'm uploading yeah. a podcast file and it's going to take 30 seconds and then I'm on Reddit. <laughs> I'm going to waste more time than I'm trying to save. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we should talk about a more B mindery ways to do this sort of thing though. Um, I think the combination of rescue time and B minder is quite powerful for this sort of thing. You can set a do less goal for total amount of time you spend on distracting sites. And that way you can, you know, set your own budget for what you think is reasonable. But at some point B is going to start telling you, you know, now you're in the wrong lane. If you do, 
so much more of this, you're going to get charged. And now yeah, that's, that's real motivation to, to limit the time. And, and for those who don't know, rescue time is a extension that tracks what websites you go to and then kind of categorizes them based on the level of productivity. So you can see yeah. how much time you spent on distracting websites like news or games or, and uh, you can also get an app for your computer that will tell you if you spent too much time on like different, different programs as well. So for yeah. mine, cause I spend most of my time in like premiere and Photoshop and audition and stuff like that. It'll tell me um, where I yeah. spent my time app wise. Yeah, exactly. Or for programmers, maybe you want to make sure you spend a certain minimum amount of time in your text editor. Yes. That's um, so that's what you guys probably do. I'm guessing, right? Writers. Yes. <laughs> um, yes, definitely. And I, I like that because you don't have to worry too much about tracking it. I guess like the big thing with all these productivity techniques and everything is it can get to the point where like the work about the work so-called is, is more than it should be. Like yeah. there's too much management. So that's why I like all the integrations where you can set it up once and then all these little robots just kind of track you for you. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's the key to keep everything low friction um, or it's not sustainable. Yeah, and that's what I like about BeMinder for my blogging because I don't have to go in and tell it that I did something. I just know there's this little thing floating in the corner of the back of my mind that says, if you don't blog this week, uh, there is going to be a consequence. And when you do blog, I get a little email reminder. It says, hey, you're on track. You're good to go. Or I think it's like 11 days up on the road or something like that. So uh, what did you learn? Or I guess, what did you get anything out of the Maniac Week besides more work done? Do you feel that it was worth it to work 87 hours? There were, so often with programming, there are things, there's like, people talk about what is it, the cost to, there's like kind of some startup cost to loading the code into your head and actually, you know, understanding where you are and where you're trying to go. And so there's definitely an advantage to getting sort of big uninterrupted chunks of time to work. And depending on the kind of problem that you're trying to solve, that can be more or less important. So on one of the Maniac Weeks, I did some work on adding customizable time of day deadlines to BeMinder goals, which turned out to be a fairly far-reaching thing. It involved making lots of little changes all over the code and doing a lot of refactoring and stuff. So okay. uh, that was something that I, you know, I think that doing a Maniac Week and having a big, you know, chunk of highly focused work time was something that, you know, I'm not sure how or when I would have gotten that done otherwise. So it's like a sprint basically. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And yeah, I've, I've had a lot of, uh, like work sprints during my college years where it was like, we're going to just sit here this weekend and get this done. And it, uh, if you can motivate yourself to do it, it can be really, really valuable or like yep. startup weekends, or I guess we did one. There was an event called finish up weekend where it was an entire weekend, uh, people just in a creative space and they came down from like all over the country and just worked for hours on end uh, to finish old projects. And it was awesomely nice. valuable. Wow. I like that. Finishing things that's hard. Yes. Yeah, well <laughs> so I would imagine that now that you have done it and, and the uh, novelty of having the video come out is done, you probably aren't doing very many 87 hour weeks. Um, but do you do like little mini maniac weeks still or, or do you just sort of go with a normal schedule now? We do hack nights once a week. So okay. that's kind of, kind of like that. Um, and that's the night where we have friends over and do um, Pomodoro poker where we, you know, where we were talking about with writing things on the board and anteing a dollar and all that. Okay, cool. Uh, so that's kind of similar. So with the video, <laughs> um, were you able to set it up to where like it was okay to have everything publicly facing? Cause that, I would imagine that's a lot of, footage to comb through if there was something you needed to like blur. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the point is to set it up, set up everything ahead of time so that you don't expect to have to do that, uh, which we didn't quite achieve. We'd uh, forget and start, you know, opening up the chat window and say something about it, you know, some bug that some user was experiencing and mention their, you know, username or something, the other, you know, privacy issues. So we did have to do some combing to, yeah, I think the first time I did it, I 
wound up spending a lot of time putting the video together afterwards and making sanitizing it. And, but then after that, then, um, the next time I did it, I just had the convention of keep, I was only taking screenshots on my, my big monitor. And so I kept, um, sensitive stuff on my laptop screen and that was okay, except it sort of made a loophole (laughs) with the whole like commitment of, you know, the whole constraint of having this, like, this is going to go in the video and it's going to be seen by everyone. Yeah. The commitment is you can't get distracted because it's going to be public. If you have another monitor where you can get distracted without it showing up, then (laughs) Uh, oh, and the other convention we figured out was uh, that if you do accidentally put something sensitive up there, if you just note the time, then that makes it easier to go back and, and just remove yeah. that frame from the video. Okay, cool. Um, when I first saw it, I, I wanted to do one, but then I had to think to myself, like a lot of my time has spent answering questions and email and all this yeah. stuff that probably shouldn't be on YouTube. <laughs> so I'd have to find maybe a week where I've like scheduled nothing but video editing and podcast editing and like self tasks that are not communication with other people. It, I think it would look really cool to see the time-lapse of you, like, you know, putting together videos and stuff. Just I, that, the, the time-lapse would be fascinating to watch. Putting yeah, that, that would be cool. Faster. Hopefully my computer can handle that because I've been yeah. wanting to do something of that sort maybe as like a bonus to people or something like that, but it could be part of the maniac week video as well. Um, so to round this out, I guess I want to ask each of you, do you have like a weird way you use B minder to track something? Cause I know at least I've, I've looked at Danny's B minder page and you have like 4 million goals there. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't, there are people who have more than me there. I'm not the, the most really hardcore B minder user. Uh, surprisingly, um, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, let's see. I have all sorts of things. Um, actually one thing, I don't know if it counts as a weird thing, but general advice on what to be mind that I think is, is valuable to say. So I'll say that and while Bethany thinks of what she might want to use as her example, but, um, be minding actions more than outcomes, I think is an important, important advice for, for be minder. So for example, Weight for most people, you think of that as more an outcome than an action. If you're crazy enough, you can, you know, fast or go, you know, run around the block and sweat out enough weight and treat it as something fully under your control. But but we probably we didn't don't really, really say that yeah we don't really, we don't officially recommend that. Uh, so better is to you have a graph for your weight, but you know keep the the what you're committing to very conservative, uh, maybe cap the amount you're risking at $5 and be more hardcore about uh, actions you're taking, calories, number of workouts, number of steps, you know, number of servings of vegetables, all the things that you want to do that are, that you expect to contribute to uh, the weight goal. Uh, Same with, you know, like instead of running a five minute mile, it's just how much running you're doing, either time spent running or miles run, something that you can always, so the idea is that whenever you have a B emergency, there should always be an unambiguous thing you can go do and keep yourself on track so there's you know you don't have the stress of derailing for reasons outside your control okay so basically it's uh whether or not the action you take leads to a failure or an outcome it's the fact that you put in the effort to do the action that you're that you're tracking basically exactly yeah and i i love that because it takes i guess it takes the pressure off of you know thinking you have to get some certain outcome because all you all you need to think about right now which like we talked about hyperbolic discounting, we need to think about what we need to do right now is that you do the little incremental thing. You do the push-ups or you write the thing. And, exactly. and then over time, those results will likely build up into you succeeding overall in that goal. Yeah. But yep. you're not pressured to actually succeed in that goal directly. Exactly. Just happen. Cool. And what about you, Bethany? Do you have anything, any extra tips or uh, maybe a weird way you use B-Minder? Well, let's see. I have a couple of minders that I use that are just for basically for periodic reminders because I use Beeminder so much that it's the best reminder system for me because it's the only thing I pay attention to. So like I have a goal for trash day, okay. which comes, you know, once a week and it's not like I actually don't want to take the trash out, but, <laughs> it's, but it's the kind of thing that I will, you know, I don't want to do it right now. And then um, Beeminder reminds me and if it's going to cost me $5, if I forget, 
um, then that sort of, for some, you know, that, that like immediate little pinch is enough to get me to go ahead and do it right now instead of putting it off and then forgetting about it and not having the trash taken away. Yeah. Cause I like yeah. it when we, they come and take away my trash. It's very, it's very convenient. I just realized one we should definitely talk about, uh, as the, the coolest example we have, I think, of uh, BeMinding BeMinder, which is the user visible improvements to BeMinder. And we've been doing this since before we publicly launched. And we're at, some, I think, going on 1,500 user visible improvements to BeMinder. We do one per day. So it's, uh, I think, yeah. about three years now of, of these. Um, and we have to tweet it to a certain Twitter account, what the improvement was, fixing a bug or adding a feature or um, just improving something, no matter how small. And we, yeah, we feel pretty strongly that Beeminder would not exist if not for doing this. You know, running a startup is kind of can be an emotional roller coaster, and you know, if you don't have some way to force yourself to just always be making steady forward progress, I think that's the, the biggest way that startups fail. And so, uh, yeah, so we highly recommend this. We have a whole article about all the reasons you should do this. I think not just for your own motivation, but uh, it's as a signal to your users that you're committed to you know, continue working on it, always pushing forward, always improving. So it makes users much more forgiving of problems because they know that you are always improving. Yeah. Yeah. I love it because, you know, as a, as a business owner or a startup founder, it's very easy to fall into the trap of just like fussing about with things that don't actually matter, <laughs> like little design <laughs> tweaks or something like, Oh, this, this bar should be a different hue of orange, but I need to take two <laughs> hours to figure out what that should be. <laughs> and yeah, I, I love that you guys are publicly like, this is what we improved every day. And from an individual standpoint, um, one way you can sort of build or use that to your advantage is to just keep like an accomplishment journal and like write down what you did every day, because then you're sort of holding yourself to the same standard, even if you're not running a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, on a, I guess are the, I have a goal I call my must do goal. It's like the world's least um, ambitious task list or to do list. I just have to do one thing every day, but it's, I guess that's kind of similar to the UBI as well. It's like user visible improvements to me, mm-hmm. but <laughs> they don't, they don't have to be improvements, but it's the, what's the one most important thing to get done tomorrow. Yeah. And then I, I write it down in the com- data point comment. Tomorrow's thing. I assign myself a task for tomorrow every time I enter. And I have to do one every day. And then I also have a record of all the must-dos that I've done. Have you found that that's helped you stay more focused on what's truly important? Uh, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not on what's truly important. But it's helped me all those um, with things like that don't ever wind up having a concrete deadline, but at some point, like, so you can keep putting them off. There's, but at some point they become long past due, like making a dentist appointment. Oh, oh yeah. I need to find a new dentist three years later. <laughs> Don't <laughs> remind me. I'm supposed to do that. My mom keeps hounding me about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that kind of thing for me, uh, is, 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 uh, yeah, the must-do is great for that because it, it gets those kinds of things done. I just thought of one, yet another one. Bethany has this. So we, of course, have BeeMinder graphs for how much time we spend working on BeeMinder. And then recently, um, we were talking about the upcoming integration. So Ift is probably the next one that's going to launch. And we have Misfit and a couple others in the in the queue. And at some point, we were on the, I guess it was the Squitter forum, getting ourselves on the hook for the next integration. Um, we decided that it can be very stressful to to commit to specific deadlines to have these things done because you don't know what's going to go wrong. So instead, mm-hmm. um, Bethany committed to spending half her time on this the list of the next upcoming integrations. I feel like this is kind of a powerful principle, like find the most important thing and then commit to spending a, some meaningful chunk of your time, meaningful fraction of your time on what you've decided is the most important thing. Right now for us, it's these, these new Beeminder auto data integrations. Okay. So, so one question is if, if you're just devoting a certain amount of like percentage of your time, but you're not having a deadline, how do you ensure that you're using that time efficiency efficiently? I, maybe we don't, and maybe it's not <laughs> efficient, but it's better. It seems to be a drastic improvement over what it was before, where just all the daily things and you know support and answering emails and chasing various bugs or whatever day-to-day stuff was always crowding out the integrations because those things... Yeah. So 
Well, I think somewhat related, I, you know, I have a Beeminder time goal. That's like the, the amount of time I spend working on Beeminder that, you know, counts everything from um, doing evangelism and answering support emails and fixing bugs and writing code and whatever else. Um, so that's like all of the time spent on Beeminder. Um, but then I actually uh, have, I have a goal for doing Pomodoro's um, which have to be like, I have to say what I'm going to do. And, um, and I get, if I, if I go over 45 minutes, you know, I announce it publicly in our, in our, you know, company hip chat so that, uh, everybody sees what I'm going to, it's a little bit like a Pomodoro poker because I'm, I'm announcing it publicly to, to people. And then I get less credit if I go over my 45 minutes than if I, if I finish it in the allotted time. Um, and that's actually the goal that, um, that, uh, is more binding than the amount of time. So I have to spend 40 hours a week on Beeminder, but it's the, but that's easy to accomplish when I'm, when I'm staying on top of this, um, Pomodoro goal, because, because that's the like focused, I know what I'm doing. Am I, you know, in this task, like accomplishing a bunch of focused work in this period of time instead of writing stuff on the forum. So even if you don't have like a specific deadline for a thing, the fact that you're using Pomodoros and setting what you want to accomplish for each one is pushing you forward. Yes. You're so much better at talking than I am. (laughs) It is what I have to do every day. (laughs) And I am probably not nearly as good at coding. I wish I was. Sometimes I wish I could get back into coding. But yeah. Guys, this has been awesome. About ready to jump into another interview. So thank you so much for coming on the show. And if people want to get involved or get in contact, where should they go? Beeminder.com and you, our forums are a great place to start asking questions or talking to us. You can contest us directly, founders at Beeminder.com. Sweet. Cool. And Twitter. I will also link to my own goals in the show notes for some awesome. examples, though I have two and one of them is weird because there's no data point. <laughs> it's my wake up one. Luckily, right. no data points yet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Great talking to you. All right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Danny and Bethany. Hopefully you got something interesting or useful out of it. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, they're at CIGpodcast.com. Find that episode 58 link and you'll find links to anything we talked about, uh, links to Beeminder, My Goals, all the other apps that we mentioned during the interview and all sorts of cool stuff. Also, if you want to rate the show on iTunes and leave a review, it definitely helps out. And if you have questions and you have ideas for things that I should make in the future, you can always email me over at thomas at collegeinfogeek.com. And I would love to take your feedback and turn it into cool videos or podcasts or other things in the future. So thanks for listening and I will see you next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the College Info Geek Podcast. Grow your brain even more at www.collegeinfogeek.com.